The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today, For the week trending, we've reunited my former Sunday Tribune colleagues Adele Coffey, the author, and Michael Clifford, now special correspondent with the Irish Examiner. And I just remembered, Adele, that the last time that you, Mick, and I did the week trending together, you engaged in an impassioned defence of Ryan Tuberty. So, what do you make of him going around London this week? Lots of Instagram photographs and also an appearance on Virgin Media. Do you think he is going to, Virgin Radio, is he going to crack the UK as a radio presenter? Uh, yeah, I was thinking the same thing myself. That was the last time we were on together. We were talking the, about the Public Accounts Committee. It was that week. And yeah, I really did feel like he had been badly treated and that he had kind of been swept up in this kind of um, controversy that was making, um, you know, making him responsible for a lot of wrongs in RTE, um, as well as the the one wrongdoing that he held his hands up about. But yeah, I was glad to see him back on social media. I'm a big fan of the show um, as a kind of mother who comes home from the child, from the school run every day and turns on mine and makes my breakfast and has my cup of coffee. And I, I kind of haven't really gotten over that yet, I have to say. But I really do hope You just that have he... to transfer over to Dave Moore here on today, <laughs> from 9 o'clock. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I will, I will, I will. But um, but yeah, so it's kind of, it, it's sad on a per, on that kind of personal level. But I, I really do hope that he, um, he does find somewhere um, for his uh, talents uh, in the UK, but I, I think he's a huge loss to the Irish radio market. If he does go, I'd love to see him go somewhere like Today FM or News Talk so that we still had him here in Ireland because I think he's a, an incredible loss uh, to broadcasting in Ireland if he does go. Like, there's nobody else quite like him. Present company excluded, Matt. <laughs> Mick, he managed to pack a lot into four minutes on Chris Evans when it comes to name dropping between Bono, Paul McCartney and others. But there were a lot of people who were suggesting that, look, when you lose your job like that, keep the head down, go away for a while. He definitely seems to be taking the opposite approach in going out almost seeking publicity. He does, Matt, and in, in one way kind of reminded me uh, in, in a different lifetime. I spent some time in North London and construction sites and you know there was a lot of Irish fellas over there saying any chance of the start and <laughs> the, 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 you know there was a touch of that there uh, good luck to Ryan by all means I hope he does well the one thing I'd be slightly worried about and you mentioned it there why is he and quite obviously these things are arranged and any consents to them why does he show up on these shows uh, other than to let everybody over there know he's out there rather than being following definite leads to put it that way so but good luck to him I mean I hope I hope he restarts his career he's, he's talented and he ran into some trouble here and Shinee as they say Okay, well, let's talk about money as well and what people do for money. And this is a sports story which I think has wider ramifications as to how people do things. The former Liverpool and England footballer Jordan Henderson has headed off to Saudi Arabia, Mick, and he's denying that he's been paid 700 grand a week for his new job. But surely he would have to be to actually justify heading off to Saudi Arabia. He would on a number of different levels. First, the footballing level. I mean, you go there. First of all, he's come out and said it's not for the money. That's completely just not credible. You go there for the money. You don't go there for the football. There's no question about that. I mean, at the outset, perhaps somebody of his vintage would go to the US for the football, a la Messi and others before him. But the big issue is that Henderson, to be fair to him, had been very much very vocal when he was playing with Liverpool in support of LGBT rights. And uh, he's heading off to Saudi Arabia, where 
their record in that is nothing short of appalling. And he had an interview during the week where he's trying to justify this. And it was a bit of a car crash because mm. it's difficult to see how we could make any attempt to justify going there for any reason other than money and to justify going to a country that has that kind of a record, particularly when he claimed that this was a, a passionate stance of his. Of course, it's not just footballers who do this type of thing, Adele. There's been loads of music stars, haven't there, in particular, who've gone off to countries with very dubious civil rights um, practices because, well, they say it's not for the money, but what other reason could it be? Yeah, and also, like, obviously, the most recently, the, the golf, the live golf um, yes. tournament. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think you'd respect these people more if they just said, I'm doing it for the money. Yeah. Because, um, in, in a way, that is the, the most understandable reason for doing it. And particularly if you have that history. But there is an argument that is, it's, it's kind of a mealy-mouthed argument that, oh, maybe by going there, we can affect change to this culture and we can bring some understanding that might change the brutal LGBT uh, the brutal treatment of LGBT plus uh, people there like which is kind of you know yes that's a very noble uh, aim if that is why you're doing it but it's hard to believe that that is why they're doing it because usually there's a massive, massive paycheck associated with the visit as well. Yeah, and he certainly won't be wearing his rainbow laces on his boots during any matches, will he? And he was asked about that and and he said, uh, yeah, he'd consider it, but he'd have to take account of the culture he was in, etc. So that's that one out the window. Yeah, he said if it offended the religion there, he wouldn't do it, of course. I saw also as well the Celtic manager, Brendan Rodgers, got stuck into the debate defending Jordan Henderson, Mick, on the basis that he was a victim of, you won't believe this, a morality police. I wonder did Brendan Rodgers really know what he was saying? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, no, a a point has to be made. The issue has centred on the treatment of LGBT people there, which is absolutely the case. Their rights rights they have in that country are appalling, but they are not the only minority to be treated there. The rights a whole range of people have in that country are absolutely appalling. And that anybody in a scenario like that, where he could, for I mean, for example, he made an excuse. He said, Liverpool meant so much to him, he couldn't go to another club to be playing against Liverpool. So that meant more to him, the fact that he wouldn't be able to play another club against Liverpool than going to a place where they have that kind of a record, particularly considering the stance that he took on these issues prior to that. I mean... You know, there's no credibility with any of There's another football story which is crossing over into the news pages this week. And again, this is a very sensitive one which we are going to take great care with, particularly for what happened with Manchester United in dealing with the Mason Greenwood case. They are now facing another issue in relation to another player, the Brazilian player Anthony, against whom a number of allegations have now been made. And how can Manchester United continue to use him as a player, do you think, Adele, particularly when his country, Brazil, has dropped him from the squad while an investigation is underway? Yeah, I, I don't think they should keep using him because he is currently involved in an ongoing investigation by police, not only in Brazil, but also in Manchester. So, you know, do the decent thing, suspend him without prejudice until the investigation is over. And, you know, that that seems like a very straightforward way to treat this, you know, preserving his right to innocent until till proven guilty. So does you that know, not make him guilty until proven innocent if you suspend him? No, I don't him. think so. I, I don't think so because if you're suspending without prejudice, you're just saying, look, we're waiting to see the outcome of this. And, and I think it's a, too much of a distraction in the meantime because obviously people are 
if the allegations turn out to have um, any basis to them, and, and it does seem like there are an awful lot of them from quite a few women, you know, obviously people are offended by the fact that he gets to keep playing, and it, it's it is a distraction, as they say, from from the the game from the footballers. So, you know, that would seem like the most reasonable, straightforward uh, way to deal with it. But like, I think there's a greater issue here. Um, but, you know, so many footballers um, seem to run into um, this this issue and they're young men and they're taken from their homes very, very at a very, very young age. They're still children, a lot of these guys. And I think there's a huge responsibility on clubs to, to educate these men properly, these boys properly, and to you know, uh, maybe be careful or take some care about it. the finances. Like, you know, why are they being paid so much? Why isn't that money in a trust fund? Why are they not being protected and educated a little bit more? Because it does seem to be a cultural issue at this point amongst premiership footballers rather than just, you know, incidental. Sorry. Yeah, I, 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 I think that's right. That's definitely there. However, I would say, these things have been arising now for a number of years and there have been a number of high profile cases and there have been cases where people just have to observe it and see, oh my God, this fella had the world at his feet. He's doing what he loves. He's getting paid mountains of money and he has to throw it away this way. Now, people get cut out of you, to put it that way. Initially, these young men, they have everything going for them. They want to start copying on now. They've seen what's happened to others. And yet again and again, you're seeing the same thing. And an awful lot of it centres around their treatment and attitude towards women. And mm. that it's still happening, beggars belief on one level, that there seems to be no understanding of what they have in life and the luck they have compared to 99% of the rest of the world. And this keeps arising the whole time. Mick, tell us, we've heard a lot about the Wolf Tones playing Electric Picnic this week, but tell us about the American woman who is very upset with the owner of the lands at Stradbally, which hosts the Electric Picnic. Yeah, Matt, as you said, the Wolf Tones massively popular to Electric Picnic. We know the controversies around some of the stuff they do, particularly in relation to the Troubles. And in the midst of all that, which was, you know, the usual thing, we've had it before, uh, this woman, uh, Karen Leavers, she tweeted... Um, I'm a lapsed RC, Roman Catholic, blowing yank, living in a big house in Ireland, surprised and dismayed that Thomas Cosby, that's the man who owns the site the Electric Picnic was on, as president of the Historic Houses of Ireland, allowed this performance on his Stradbally estate, so I have now cancelled our HHI membership. Now, my first reaction to that is, you know, it's something from uh, some kind of an eccentric sort of um, byway that you might find more more likely in some part of, of, of the better off areas of England rather than here. So, it's you know, it's, 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 it's a bit of a laugh from that point of view. I don't think anyone take it anyway serious. And then it blew up into this massive thing, which says so much, not so much about her, but about social media the and Twitter and what can happen. The pylon. The pylon. The utter. And she got absolutely hammered, including she, in a later tweet, she said, she claims she got at least three threats on Twitter inciting people to burn down my house and ongoing abuse harassment against me for daring to post my opinion. And... That and you can be damn sure that Twitter, or X as it's called now, will do nothing in relation to oh, no. those who went online to post such abusive messages. It's all traffic. That's all they want is traffic and the traffic piled on completely. Now, you know, I just thought it, it was 
the usual thing. It's come the reaction, the taking the thing off in a different direction, the targeting of somebody who can be put up there and held up as some kind of a somebody to burn at the stake. Effectively, mad stuff. Notwithstanding, you know, it's a kind of bit off the wall or her, her, her own thing herself. But good luck to her. But it deserved nothing like the reaction it got. Hey, Dan, what did you make of all this? Yeah, of course, the, the abuse is shocking and indefensible. And in fairness to her, I think she kind of maintained a sense of humour actually all the way through. And um, uh, I, her tweets seem to be fairly positive and upbeat. But uh, I, I think her point, the one thing I took from her point was, you know, she was expressing her opinion. And I think we just have to be allowed to express opinions, okay? It's just an opinion. And the one point I took from Brian Warfield from um, from the Wolf Tones about the the complaints and the protests about people singing along with their songs, he said, you know, nobody is forced to see the Wolf Tones. Nobody is forced to listen to them. Like, again, it's just a case, you go listen to whatever songs you want to and sing along with whatever songs you want to. And you can express your opinion about these songs on Twitter and you shouldn't have to put up with um, death threats or, you know, threats to burn down your house. Um, so I just, I find this whole thing just, again, another example of how we cannot tolerate just the the mildest of opinions uh, in, in this country. Like, obviously, the uh, I, I don't think I'd ever find myself singing along with those words in the Wolf Tone song, um, which, you know, Bertie Herm was out last week saying how young people just don't know enough about Irish history. And maybe that's the case because, you know, we've seen footballers get into trouble about uh, for singing this line in the song as well. Um, and I don't think any of those people actually realise or support the IRA, for example. Um, yeah, I mean, yes. it's, it's a real stretch to think, isn't it, that everyone who went along to see an electric picnic was going along as some sort of expression of support for the, the there's IRA. No, there's, 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 no, there's no issue about that whatsoever. The only issue about it, and this applies, look, being realistic, far more, for example, in the Phelan pub in Belfast than it would down here, mm. that if there were people whose family or whatever were victims of the IRA, they would find this offensive. And I can understand on of that course. level. Beyond that, you know, kids, young people going out singing rebel songs. It's as old as the hills. Been there, done that, spilled the point. I also you know? suspect that for an awful lot of people, they saw a crowd assembling and were wondering, what's that? What's yeah. going on? And went over because actually a lot of them couldn't get anywhere near it. The, and the couldn't even hear what was Matt, going on. The litmus test, they're now down to play the O2. Three I wonder what the, demographic, what the age demographic of that will be. I presume it attracts a crowd like a crowd. Yeah, exactly. Okay, tell us about Adele how your car could be tracking your sex life. Uh, sorry, I mean that overall rather than your particular <laughs> my car. My personal. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Although my car is an ancient Nissan Qashqai, so I was slightly concerned that this story said Nissan were the very worst offenders for uh, privacy. But because my car is so old, actually, I don't think uh, I'm in any danger because it's to do with those new. Uh, cars that have apps that you can connect to your phone so that you can like heat up your car seats in the morning before you get into your car and all sorts of stuff like that. So I, I think me and my sex life are safe from my car for the time being. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, one lives in hope. But uh, yeah, so there's this, uh, this story is saying that, you know, all those new um, cars that have those apps, they are collecting data uh, via sensors, via microphones, via cameras, the app itself and more. Now, the really interesting thing about this story for me was there was no um, 
like, and they all admit it in their terms and conditions, again, which reminds me of Black Mirror, that we're signing up to, we're just clicking agree on these terms and conditions, even though they're saying directly that they will track your sex life or sexual orientation information. And that's a direct quote from the South Korean car maker Kia's privacy pol- policy, which seems mad because like, what possible reason could they have for wanting to track your sexual orientation, your sex life? And also, how can they do it? I presume there's no information on how they do it in this article. I presume it's through uh, just how your phone listens to you. So most people bring their phone to bed with them. Most people... Um, you know, well, I, I'm presuming most people are uh, very normal about their sex lives and are in bed with their phones and their partners when they're doing this. So I presume that's how they're they're gathering the data. I don't go but to like, bed with no my phone. There's no information. You what, Meg? I don't go to bed with my phone. Ah. Well, gee, life sounds very exciting, though. So. <laughs> they're, they're data mining. It's the same thing. All it's about is. Um, monetizing absolutely anything to do with your behaviour. They'll bombard you with ads when they determine what your behaviour is. This thing has gone on on a, on a scale that is just mind-boggling and it's it's really worrying. It's going to have to stop at some stage or be, yeah, be uh, moderated facial, in some way. Facial, uh, facial expressions. So, you know, and what music you listen to and, you know, what speed you do. And so it's trying to infer all sorts of information yeah. from from those, like triangulating all that information. It's it's very sinister. It is. Okay. Uh, what's, you're a keen cyclist, Mick. Well, what's this about Amsterdam? What are the great cities of cycling apparently going downhill, so to speak, for cyclists? Yeah, this is interesting, all right. Uh, Amsterdam, of course, was once, any, anyone who's ever been there will know that it's a fantastic place for cycling. Everywhere you go, you see cyclists. And um, up until recently, it was deemed to be one of the safest places for cyclists. Um, a couple, 12 months ago, 72% of cyclists said they were safe on Amsterdam streets. That's down to 59% now. And the culprit, the prime culprit for making cycling unsafe are these e-bikes. And I might add, myself, this is only my personal thing, the electric scooters you could throw onto that as well because I've come across an awful lot of them. And they're going around the place, they're pretty quiet and they're going at a much faster speed. And I, I can see exactly where they're coming from here. I think they're pretty dangerous. I also think, Matt, what really gets to me is when I see teenagers and that cycling e-bikes okay listen if you're as if you're an old fella like me and you might need a bit of help you mightn't be able to get up the hill fair (laughs) enough with an e-bike but when you see all the teenagers cycling e-bikes just you don't even start screaming at them get off you know so you're a cycling snob now are you no i'm not quite the opposite (laughs) i'm just talking about the fact that i wish i wish i was that young and able to get up the hill i wouldn't be on an e-bike you need a light carbon fiber frame on your bike (laughs) is that probably probably somebody steal it on you exactly Adele, Uh, you a cyclist I no well I used to be um until I I had children and um I don't cycle uh, on my bike anymore but they're getting to an age now where I might get back on I used to have a lovely little bike with a basket a high nelly and I I loved going around Dublin on that but um when I moved to Galway actually I'm I'm afraid to cycle here in Galway we need better cycle lanes here but um I'm sure they're they're on the way but yeah those the 
the well, speed. Well, not necessarily, of the bikes is because uh, I mean, don't they all? Aren't there always objections in Galway to introducing <sighs> these life cycle oh, lanes? Uh, now, Matt, I have to live in this town. <laughs> yes, there are objections, but yes, there is a great desire for us to have the cycle lanes as well. So, you know, with a bit of luck, we'll be able to figure it out. But yeah, um, I, I, I do, I, I do think the scooters and the electric cycles are um, the speed is too high. Even, even if you're, um, if you're walking and you don't hear them, you try to cross the road. Um, also, cars, they sort of come out silently uh, out of side roads and all sorts of things. And um, yeah, I do think they're quite dangerous. But uh, I'm kind of distracted because I'm wondering if Mick is, is a mammal on his bicycle. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I haven't got that, haven't got that far. Out, no, no. <laughs> That'd be too, too, too much conforming for me. <laughs> we got to leave it there. Michael Clifford of the Irish Examiner and author Adele Coffey, thank you so much for being with us on The Week Trending. We'll be back with Ian Guider to tell us about a worrying fall off in the number of new planning permissions and the rest of the day's business news after we've had, the tra- after we've had this break. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.